Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're going to talk about my least favorite movie of all time. Aren't we excited? We watched A Clockwork Orange, directed by Stanley Kubrick, that came out in 1962. Is that right? Or was that when the book was written? 71? Uh, yes, the film was 71. That came out in 1971. Mm. And we're going to try and keep it clean. Uh, I will do. Fail utterly. I, I will do a, a warning at the top of the show, which is uh, if you have been sexually assaulted, maybe this isn't the movie or episode for you. Uh, and if you have violent reactions to violence or uh, misogyny, extreme misogyny, this may not be the movie for you or the show for you. So if you need to bounce. We'll see you next week when we're talking about High Noon, and which it's way is, more mellow. Well, not, I mean, it's about heroism, it, which right. is the opposite of this. The film. opposite of this movie. So before we get into it, into it, uh-huh. how was your week? Oh, my week was lovely. I had a good time. I went out and I did fun things. How was your week? Uh, it was good. Uh-huh. I have picked up some. Uh, unexpected responsibilities from some of my clients, so oh, wow, we're yes. going to be working mass. But that's good. It's a good problem to It's have. a good group of people to work it's with. It's an awesome group of people to work right. with. So it's nothing but good. It's just long it's days. It's that deep breath you take when you look out and see the distance you have to cross before you reach your goal. On the upside, mm-hmm. I've booked a vacation. The first one I have taken in maybe a decade. Wow. Uh, and I'm not going to move it, so good. come September, I'm going on vacation. Good boundaries make good relationships. Indeed. So I should tell my clients that I'm going on vacation. <laughs> Speaking should. of which, I will put that on my to-do list for the week. Another thing on my to-do list. All right, so this movie. Yes, now what is your history with this movie? I saw at least the first 20 minutes when I was about eight years old. And it scared the shit out of me. Mm. And it's been a, like a sticking point ever since. I can't even watch Singing in the Rain. Because that scene freaked me out so bad. And I will say right off the top, the watch was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I am never watching it again, though. And I was mildly nauseated throughout. Which I guess is thematically appropriate. Mm. What is your history with this movie? Uh, oddly, it began at Shiloh Christian Academy. Ah, ironic. Um, there was a kid who was a, a cool kid, sophomore, that I used to hang out with him and his friends from time to time, and we had a class together. And he never stopped talking about this book. Oh, the book. Not okay. the film, but the book. I tried so, to read the book once, and it didn't Well, work. the thing is, it's written in, a jar, in an argot. Yeah. Um, and Tell what that is. This is a, in this case, it's a fictional language. It yeah. is called, uh, let me see if I can get the name for it. And this is a, it's a combination of like Russian, Russian and, and Cockney, Cockney rhyming. rhyming slang. Right. It's called uh, Nadsat. Yeah. And so in the book that I had, mm-hmm. I probably would have been able to do it a little better if it was an ebook. Right. I tried to read it in high school, so that wasn't an option. And I kept having to flip back and forth to the glossary. Right. And I was like, after page eight pages, I was like, I'm not Which doing is why I didn't get through House of Leaves. Oh, yeah. Well, because there were too many side stories that I wasn't interested in as opposed to the main story. Yeah. And I kept flipping back and forth to the index and tr- 
and but the, most of that is um, should have been right um, footers, like footnotes. Most right. like and sometimes there are whole pages. There's an age for the effectiveness Fair of enough. a book written this way, yeah. and that's as you're a student. As you get older, it, it kind of graded on me to have to flip back right. and forth no, and look up and down and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, so anyhow, this kid really loved it. The book was constantly being taken from him, being taken from him. Yeah, because it was it was completely inappropriate for a, a tenth grader. Uh, um, and a Christian school, like right. that's not no a fly. Christian school where you had to sign a waiver claiming that you weren't going to watch R or R oh, like plus a, rated films. What do they call it? Like a morality clause right. or whatever? Or if you were going to be attending classes there. So the book was taken away from him several times, but it created a sort of interest in the book as mm -hmm. a subject because I understood Anthony Burgess, and at one point I even asked him this, it's like, Anthony Burgess, who wrote the screenplay for Jesus of Nazareth, and he yeah. kind of gave me this look. Anthony Burgess is, um, is a very widely studied and very interesting writer. Uh-huh. And um, as I understood the film after having watched it the first time, is that this is his lapsed Catholic um, attempt at understanding morality. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll go into that. That's interesting, okay. Yeah, and that's what he wrote it for. He was horrified at the, at the idea. He, he liked the film, but he was horrified at the idea that it was, he was being taken for a person celebrating violence when he felt his point was... I don't know how you watch this movie right. and think that it's glorifying violence. Right. Um, and that's like watching one of Michael Haneke's movies and going, he's glorifying violence. Like, right. No, he makes it explicit in his work and in his writings about his work that if you feel like you want to watch it to the end, it's for you. Mm -hmm. I get to 20 minutes into like a Michael Hanukkah movie and I'm like, nope, don't need to watch this. Mm -hmm. And he has said explicitly, if that is your response, movie's not for you. Totally right. fine. Like he is sort of speaking to those who would glorify violence to try and get them to not by mm -hmm. showing the starkness of this violence and the the visceral nature of it. This movie is rough, you guys. Like it's the maybe the most misogynistic thing I've ever seen, mm -hmm. um, as a whole. Right. And from like opening shot, the number of just unnecessary breasts, the number of clear rapes. Oh yes. The like it's the number of just. Um, you know, there's just every piece of art in this movie is a graphically. Um, what's what I want? <sighs> like an obscene piece of art mm -hmm. of of women, whether they're like their legs are spread, they're just totally naked, they're in depraved positions. Now, please understand that I am a sex positive person. None of this shit was sex positive, though. Right. Um, there are three. No, there are older women with speaking parts, mm -hmm. but most of the women in this are being raped, like at at one point or another. Yeah. Well, or having sex with. Are one of our characters because so, some of them do do it willingly mm -hmm. uh, but like unless it's a mom mm -hmm. like they're not women right. are not taken into account as far as uh, being human beings so it was a real rough watch from that point mm -hmm. of view 
And I'm wondering, have you read the book? I have not read the book. Have you read it, seen any of it? Or I've seen... Like, um, seen some of the text? Because this movie was written by Stanley Kubrick, and I wonder if he just pulled all the dialogue. Apparently, it's a fairly faithful adaptation, except for the fact, as we were discussing earlier, that the it was taken from the American edition of the book. Right, that's which right. Which ends... Uh, excludes a final chapter of which is an interesting difference between the way that Americans and English people would read this book. Right. Burgess is an English author and there's a final chapter where Alex in later adulthood looks back on his youth and the horrible things that he did and the horrible things that he suffered and looks at it all as part of a kind of a sick society and then wonders about his children. Right. How whether they're, not, right. they're going to turn out. Um, and that was excluded from the American edition of the book. Yeah. And he okay. felt like, why is it ending on this note that seems to promise more violence and more depravity, yeah. rather than having him look back on that and see the error of his ways? I don't know why that is. It's, it's, um, that's odd to me, but... But I got very confused at the end, mm -hmm. and so we're going to talk about that. We're not going to go super into detail on the plot, because like I said, it is a lot of ultraviolence, a lot of rape. There is torture of a person who you don't like, right. but still it's torture. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that the actors went through, and we're going to talk in broad strokes about what happens in this movie, but I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty, because it's Yes. A lot, and and the way that Kubrick does a film, and we discovered this, I, I think, in Sparta because he get, began moving away from that. But when we were watching Two Thousand One, mm -hmm. uh, or even The Shining, his way of shooting a film is to treat every scene like a, a set piece. Yeah, and so and it, that's have, very clear. Right. I will say, if it wasn't for the, I hate using the term depraved vulgarity, but mm -hmm. that's what it is. Yeah. Um, there's, like I said, there's nothing positive in these mm. depictions of women. There's, it's not celebratory in any way. It right. is, this is here for us to use, us being the men in the, in the film. Um, if not for the fact that every art piece, every sculpture, everything is generally a naked woman... Um, or when it isn't, it's a naked man. Or it's a naked man or just a big dick. Because <laughs> there's a statue that's the, the sort of the downfall of our main character. is just a which big is, dick. Which is an interesting course, symbol, right? right? Like the set design is very interesting. It's mm -hmm. interesting to look at. Except when you look close, you're like, ah, right. so many vulvas. What's happening right now? Right. But, um, uh, what I meant to say earlier is that not a lot actually happens in the course of the film. No, it's true. Because he does treat every scene like a set piece. Yeah. So there'll be an eight or ten minute scene that takes place in a room. Yeah. And so even trying to break it down to something, it's just a succession of these sort of images. And you really see Kubrick's former career as a photographer. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. the, there's some beautiful compositions. Yes. And then these horrible things these happen. These horrible things happening in him. Because you couldn't really sum up the whole movie as... There's three um, acts, basically. As assault, mm -hmm. assault, rape, assault, rape, mm -hmm. fight, attempted assault that turns into murder, right. arrest, torture, well, prison time, torture, release, uh, suffering, 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 mm -hmm. um... 
suicide attempt, hospital stay, reversal of previous torture uh, outcome, end. Like, right. that's, that's the movie. Like, that's basically it. So we don't need to go, in, like I said, into the nitty-gritty. So let's start with our main character, Alex Delarge. He is played by Malcolm McDowell, um, a man who I like in his older age and don't want to look at in his younger mm. age because this movie fucking traumatized me. And I will say, starting about 20 minutes into this movie, he started looking just like fucking Evan Peters to me, and that's all I could see, so now I'm going to have an issue with Evan Peters, probably. Whoops. <laughs> like, am I wrong, though? No, no, yeah. you did. As a matter of fact, somebody just recently released a fake, I think it was for April Fool's Day. Oh, like a remake? Evan Peters is going to do a remake, and it got lots of attention. You could absolutely see. I was thinking, if they ever wanted to remake this movie, please don't remake this movie. But if they ever wanted to remake this movie, Evan Peters is a perfect casting choice. 100%. He's already got the chops from all the Ryan Murphy stuff. Um... So he is like the leader of a gang. I am using air quotes. They're all called droogs, I guess. Um, yes, they're droogs. He's the main guy. Then there's Georgie, Dim, and Pete. Dim is called Dim because he's clearly got some sort of learning disability, some sort of... A droog is a Russian word uh, meaning friend or buddy. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Right, so it's like him and his pals. Gotcha. That's what be saying. So... Their drug of choice, or like alcohol of choice, is this is milk, mm-hmm. but it's like drug laden. I don't know what kind of drug. It's got to be something like PCP because they have like control. Like they're thinking, mm-hmm. quote unquote, clearly. They're like oh, they are ultra violent. Um, they it, right in the very beginning is the scene with the singing in the rain. Where well, mind you, I, I should, I should warn people. The milk bar itself, Korova, right? Yeah, Korova. Uh, which has now been adapted to use for, uh, is it a pot company? or? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a... Down to a cat wearing a, I mean, excuse me, a cow wearing a bowler hat. Oh, yeah, uh, I didn't realize that. That's wild. Um, this place is populated by these giant white statues of naked women. Scissoring each other. So, yes, there's and like tables that are these women that uh, like on their four on on all fours, so they have their feet up on these women. The milk comes out of the nipples of right. some of these women. Like it's how this film avoided an X rating. I don't know. It's and I don't know that it did successfully in all countries. I'm sure it's banned somewhere. I'm, I promise it um, is. Yeah, but that in itself was sort of shocking. Yeah. It's all human furniture, and by human, I mean women. Mm-hmm. They clearly don't see them as human, but that is who right. it is. Um, so then they go, and they break into this house. Well, first they well, have a no, fight with they the beat up. Gang. Yeah, they well, first they beat up uh, like a homeless, random homeless dude. Man. Then they yeah. Then they go in and um, break in on a. Another another gang who's about to gang rape a woman. Right. She is nude. You see them fighting with her, ripping her clothes off, holding her down, mm-hmm. and then Alex and his buddies come in, and then she, because she's fucking smart, takes the fuck off. Right. And but nude, running nude into this out into this yeah. town, into the city. Ugh, I wouldn't, but also I wouldn't stay there. Um, and then there's this big fight, which you don't. You see a lot of, but you also don't really see a lot it's of. It's done. It's done very uh, 
dispassionately, I'll say. Yeah. It's in that he doesn't have a... Kubrick doesn't get into the violence the way he did in Spartacus, where you're right there. Right, you also... He's taking it back. He's taking it back because he's not like, this is the side that you're on. Like, Mm -hmm. both of these sides are fucked. Like, he doesn't want you to, like... Like in Spartacus, we've got a good guy, we've got a bad guy. Right, exactly. Here, it's like, everybody's bad, guys. Like, it is weird that our protagonist is a fucking monster and right. at no point at even after torture at no point did I feel like I never oh, I have felt like he didn't him. deserve yep. what happened to him and and I'm a person who wants to abolish prison right. and I was like nah fuck this dude <laughs> like it's wild um they go to this house uh-huh. populated or like where um an older man and woman live there's a writer who writes he's a writer anti, right anti um government uh, polemics, I guess. Is the... I, I doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter. They break in, tie him up, and make him watch as they rape her, his wife. Right. So that's the second in the rain scene that I don't, I can't deal with. Then there's this, they're stealing stuff. He's got a drawer under his bed full of watches and money. Mm-hmm. Um, we see him go home, wake up the next morning, and his mom wants to know if he's going to school. I have no idea how old this person is. Right. Malcolm McDowell was nearly 30 when this movie was filmed. Am I to believe that this is a child? That school is like high school? I, no, we also... This is Britain um, in the future. Right, exactly. An unknown time in the future. We have reached something like a dystopia, right? So it's right. a dystopian British future. So I don't know if this is, you know, secondary school there, if it's... Well, we, we're never given a clear idea. No. We know that it's Britain because he, um, at one point, makes comments about how there's a BBC uh, television studio, and that's what leads to him falling out with his own droogs because yeah. one of the women from the studio starts singing uh, to Beethoven's Ninth, which is a particular piece that Alex loves. He loves because all Because he gives Beethoven. visions of violence. Right, but he loves all, Be- right. all Beethoven. But the Ninth in particular. Yeah. Um, and so we know it's England. We don't know when this is supposed to be taking place. We know that it's a more of a totalitarian England. Yeah. And uh, there's uh, the author himself said it's like a, a ultra-socialized version of Great Britain because he'd, uh, he'd grown up in different parts of the world. Tra- right. He was very well-traveled. He spent a great deal of time in Malaysia. And so he saw sort of different government systems. This also led to his fascination with languages. He apparently spoke Malay fluently. Okay. So that's why he had this idea about developing his own kind of pigeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love when an author makes up their own language. Right. Like, I give me all the Tolkien, like, get the awesome, but like, make it easy for me to understand. Right. And or I or read in the, in in text. I was like, I don't know what half the shit means, and I was just like, I'm not gonna look it up. I'm not gonna ask. I'm just gonna go with right. it because. I don't want to be that absorbed in the world. Like, I'm kind of good you know, on the his, outside. His world is pretty awful. Yeah. And we, we got that. Our roommate suggested, you know, he's also a product of his environment. And we don't get enough of how much of that environment until near the very end when we see the kind of length they go to to silence people. Right. Well, but also, like, mm-hmm. all the young men we see are monsters. Right. We don't see... I mean, there's got to... Well, up until the end when mm-hmm. he goes home and there's, like... A person who seems well adjusted and that's right. about his age. Um, 
but all the all the kids that we kids I don't right. know like I said I don't know young adults yes yeah I, that's that's one of the things that's unclear what like how, is he in his late teens right, is exactly. he in his early 20s he's a grown he's clearly a grown ass man right. the actor at least so I it's very confusing which is good mm-hmm. we don't need kids or young yeah. people doing this role either um so there's there's a scene where he has a threesome with two girls that he picks up um, at some like mall situation right. uh, and that is the only consensual sex I think in the movie yes I think it is yeah. um, and it's 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 filmed in a really interesting way it's almost like uh, like a Benny Hill right thing because it's all sped up and you can see these actors are obviously naked yeah he was cast on the strength of a film he did called If I think uh, Malcolm McDowell, uh-huh. because apparently the film was earlier supposed to be shot by Ken Russell, who's, God help him, was a maniac and a great filmmaker, but he was just nuts. Mm-hmm. And he did these very weird, grandiose visions of uh, of lives of composers, uh, mostly. Um, but he was supposed to do the film with Mick Jagger as a lead, who I can also see as right. being Oh, Alex. for sure. That would be interesting. Um, but the thing is that it wound up going to Kubrick and he cast uh, Malcolm McDowell on the strength of a film he did call If mm-hmm. which was about a schoolboy who then goes crazy at a military school and shoots all of his teachers and takes over the school so that's that kind of led yeah. to this part okay. it'd be like casting Ezra Miller off the strength of we need to talk about Kevin in this Right, thing. he just rolled right into this and began making suggestions to the director about costumes and things like that and then Kubrick kind of went with it and goes, okay, this is the guy. Right, interesting, okay. So... But yeah, the, the, the reason I brought it up is that there are films, there are scenes in What If that he performs completely nude, so he had no issues with this. Right. And so the scene with these two young women, it's sped up, otherwise it would have... Yeah, oh yeah, then it's everywhere. definitely getting an extra because right. they're and all it clearly goes nude. on for quite a while. Go, yeah, even sped up, even it's sped like up. two minutes long. And it's done in a single take, which is the other thing. That's what, yeah. So it's just like, I'm thinking they showed up at work and just pretended to fuck for what, 10 minutes or something? Something like it's that. Very yeah. Long. It's very Yeah, it is. And like the women get dressed and then undressed again. Like right. it's a whole thing. Um, but like I said, the only consensual sex in the movie. And then he, at the end of that, goes downstairs and his merry band of gentlemen are mm-hmm. sitting there waiting for him. And they're like, hey, uh, we need to like do bigger, better shit. Like, right. I'm tired of this like pokey, low, low income or, you know, right. low reward crime that we're doing. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. And then he, um, he does... While they're walking, he does attack two of them. Right. And, well, all of them, really. But he attacks two of them and throws them into the earth. And they end up in... Was it the Thames? Was it in the... Yeah, I think that it river? is. It's, um, and one of them takes off, saying that he has no chance now. Yeah. Um, the other two kind of get in line. Right. Kind of. Uh, and then they go to this house of this cat lady who... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if, like the person that she lives with is out of town or she just lives there by herself right. with like hundreds of and there's she, so many she's cats. running like a wellness center and yeah. so the, the odd thing is that it's his second in command uh, Alex's second in command among his droogs 
who is making his plan to take over the gang and start giving orders. Yeah. And even when Alex beats the daylights out of him and they sort of submissively return to him and make the same suggestion, he just goes, well, why don't we do that? Yeah. And you're like, why did you go because through all the trouble anyhow? Because he wants to assert his dominance. Right. And, I mean, if you... <laughs> you maybe have never had this... this uh, this happened to you because uh-huh. it happens to women a lot okay. uh, in a business setting especially a lot of times if you just say what your idea is it will not be taken seriously mm-hmm. so you have to couch it in a way that makes the person that you're talking to think that they came up with the idea yeah. uh, and I think that's okay. maybe what they've done because right. they have this sort of I come up with all the good ideas so I'm not even listening to input but of course they're listening to input and then they'll just spit it out like that was my idea um, it's uh, it's also how what happens when like you're in a meeting mm-hmm. with a bunch of people and a woman will say something and then a dude will say the exact same thing and people go like that's a good idea it's a fucking mess anyway they're going to this lady's house she's doing yoga and she has no joke a hundred cats? I don't yes. know. There's so many fucking cats. And uh, Alex climbs up and goes in a window and he's going to come back down and let the other guys in. Mm-hmm. So they're outside and he's inside. And he um, goes and finds her. Like, she's in... I don't think she's in the room he comes into. He right. goes and finds her in a room. And she, like, stands up to him for a little while. And he starts messing with this big, like it's a big statue right. of a dick and balls. <laughs> like, like it rocks back and forth. Right. It's this big white, there's a lot of white, like ceramic looking, or like yeah, I think ceramic looking. Right, it alternates between white surfaces and really brightly colored layers of patterns on top of patterns. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what actually was making me nauseated yeah. throughout the film. Cause that makes sense. It was a lot to process. But it is a lot of white on white, too. Mm-hmm. And they wear white with black bowler caps. Mm-hmm. You all have seen the image, if not right. watch the movie. Um, and uh, shenanigans ensue, and he ends up basically attacking this woman with this big right. phallic sculpture. And then they bounce... But he is arrested. Well, he's arrested because his droogs get back at him by smashing a bottle in his face. That's right. He comes, He tries right. to get out, and then they smash a bottle in his and face and leave him behind. And he whines. He whines and curls up in the fetal position and complains he's not about... Because no, he's not a man. No, he's right? not. It's... We were talking about Tucker Carlson. Right. How, this isn't how white men fight. The Montgomery Brawl, we're just out of that. We're filming mm-hmm. the, or recording this early, so we just saw right. the Montgomery Brawl. White men are great at fighting if there's four on one <laughs> and not great at fighting literally any other time. Like, typically, right. that is what you'll see, is a group of white dudes coming onto one person, whatever that person right. is. They attack women this way. There's one woman in the rape scene uh-huh. the, that they walk and in on, and there's like nine dudes. Yeah. Or no, it's five, because they were outnumbered. The, the four of them oh, were outnumbered, right, okay. but only by one. It seemed like there was more of them, but I suppose it's also in dark space, and there's yeah. just a lot of... They were up on a stage. That scene <laughs> is weird, because there's just a lot of crashing things. People yeah. are thrown through windows. People are thrown And off it's stage, done in a right? real sort of staccato type. crashing all the time. Yeah. yeah, so it's like a lot of noise, but I still didn't... 
I still can't quite remember what was going on in the scene because yeah. there's just a lot of noise, visual noise as well. Yeah. So he tries to, oh, because we hear sirens. Mm-hmm. He tries because to run. she called the police beforehand. That's right. And, and this is like one of the few standout female characters in the film. Yeah, because she does have she cheek does. and she, right. but she's fucking straight up murdered. Right. He doesn't know that he killed her. He gets taken in and then finds out he killed her. And then he goes to jail. And then, forward two years. Now, this is very much like a lot of Kubrick's work. We talked about it in Full Metal Jacket. Here's one part of a movie. Mm-hmm. And then here's a totally different part of a movie. Same movie, but totally different. Right. And you said this has about three acts, and I would agree with that. But the middle act is very short. Uh-huh. Um, so we see him in prison. He's acting like he's found God. He clearly hasn't. He's no, trying. He, hasn't. he has heard about this procedure that you can do to get out early, and so he finagles his way into said procedure. Mm. So he goes. It looks like a hospital. They put him in a bed. They give him food. He's like not. He's out of prison clothes. Although in prison in the UK they just wear a suit. It's right. wild. I was like, I actually like that as opposed to the pajamas they put our prisoners in. Um, and he's, like, in a library. Like, it's comparative to American prison, which is a fucking nightmare, and, shh, you know, we should I, basically you know, be brought up in The Hague. Um, I like the idea, though, that the prisoners, instead of exercising and pumping themselves up like they do here, they just walk basically in a have to walk in a circle. That's your physical exercise. I think physical exercise is important. Right. I don't know that you should let people pump iron for seven hours a day. Right. That doesn't seem ideal. But, like, weightlifting, cardio, these are things. Here's the thing. There are still people. Right. And I just... I don't like the idea of sending them to gladiator school like they used to call yes, it. Yes, yeah, um, no. There's a lot of things. I I, like person. I said, right. I would abolish our prison system as it stands, yeah. 100%. Um, and I think probably 90% of people who are in prison prison mm-hmm. don't need to be in prison prison anymore. Right. Um, and there's a few, and we need to reform the way that we keep them, but some people should not be out in society. Now, I, I don't have the power to abolish prison. So, so he is at this place. They're like, great, we're going to start with treatments. They start shooting his butt. He's shooting him in the butt with some drugs. They say it's vitamins. Y'all, it ain't vitamins. Uh, and then there's the famous scenes of him being basically in a straitjacket. He's not. He's, he's sh- like tied to a chair and in that's a for theater. Good reason, actually, um, and they think of it. clamp his eyes open and they force him to watch all manner of violent mm-hmm. um, sexual um, right. uh, imagery and listen to sounds and while this medicine that they've given him, medicine, this drug that they've given him makes him violently ill. And that just goes on and on and on. For how long, we don't know. Days. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this scene specifically, the, the eye gadget. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a famous you know, image from this movie. I think anybody who knows about this movie knows about his weird eyelashes that he wears when he's, you mm-hmm. know, drooped up. Right. And then the... The Ludovico treatment. Yes. So... They, he had to get into this contraption. Malcolm McDowell had to get yeah. into this contraption, and 
they anesthetized his eyes so um, that it wasn't super painful. And the, I think those eye drops that they give him, like they're constantly right. putting eye drops on him, that was probably real for the reason of lubricating his eyes because that would be necessary. Um, what I did read was his corneas were scratched several times, mm. which means they didn't do this all in one day. It was multiple days or multiple right. takes where they put him in and out of this machine or this, this contraption. And I have had a scratched cornea once, and it was a, f- it was terrible. It was it hurt so bad. Right. It only hurt for one day. Um, your eyes heal fairly quickly. Yeah. But for that day, I couldn't open my eyes. I was, you know, cr- I couldn't stop crying. Like it, the tear, like I couldn't stop tearing up. And I actually went to a doctor, and they anesthetized me. So hopefully, the anesthetate the anesthesia that they gave him mm-hmm. for the original thing carried through because and I hope that his eyes weren't you know long term destroyed no it, it doesn't sound like they I saw an interview that was conducted when the film was uh, shown on sort of a revival tour not too long ago and uh, he talked about shooting those scenes mm-hmm. and how that and also the later scene where they test him by having this man stepping on his chest yeah. actually seriously injured him Oh, God. Because um, he's not a very right. big person. No, he's not. And part of the reason why you could convincingly cast him as a teenager when he's in Right, this, I guess so. Is to be this sort of physically slight, small man. Um, and so, yeah, he just... Uh, one of the uh, one of the, the crew members was uh, telling him, is he trying... Uh, asked uh, McDowell, is he trying to kill you? This is even but, before we know what he did to Shelley Duvall right. a decade later. Like, yeah, he was. Uh, Kubrick was very much of the old school of directors who thought they could torture performances out of people, um, and that rarely worked. It's like they forget that what their job is to uh-huh. is to put, play make believe. Right. Like. <laughs> um, yeah. Wild. I have nothing further to say about that. So, <laughs> I think it's a method, but it's wrong. Uh, yeah. So he ends up being released. He mm-hmm. goes through this whole thing and he ends up being released because the idea of doing violence of any kind makes him physically sick. And also playing And also playing Beethoven. Beethoven. Specifically the ninth, we right. don't know, but I think maybe all of it. It's it's unclear. Right. Because it was such a trigger for him to be violent, they may have just mm. Because, like I said, we don't know how long he undergoes this treatment. We right. don't know if it's six months, if it's six weeks, if it's six days. We don't know. Um, they let him out, and he goes directly home. Apparently, he has not called, because they are surprised to see him. Uh, his room has been taken over by a, a student uh, who is treating his parents like they're there, they're his parents. Uh, all of his, stu- all of Alex's stuff, have been sold as re- uh, restitution for the victims, for his victims, specifically maybe the one that he killed, but. I'm sure mm-hmm. once they opened that drawer and saw all of the watches and IDs and, right. and money that he had taken, you know, the, the victim list. They don't grew. seem to be aware of the writer, which comes back to bite him. Uh, the writer yes. whose wife he raped. Yes. Um, but, I, yes, you're right. I think it's the other victims that they know about. Yeah. And then we have the sort of third act, mm-hmm. which is him getting... Which is everyone that we, almost everyone that we've seen him 
torture mm-hmm. gets their retribution on him. Right. The first thing is he the the uh, the homeless man, the unhoused man that he he and his friends beat up right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, beats him up. Mm-hmm. Him he, his cronies. He's been turned out. Right. So yeah, they he calls like all of these other unhoused people yeah. to be like, this is the dude that fucked me up, and then they fuck him up. And then the police come by, and it is his former in partner. Right, which also is another glimpse into the whole idea of the society that they're a part of. Right. It's like, no, they just took these guys. They, these hoodlums, who, these violent right. criminals, and then they just put them in now uniforms, and now right. you're cops. Same, same on our end, guys. Um, and then they take him out into the woods mm-hmm. and beat him. I am very surprised they didn't kill, just straight right. mur- murder him. Waterboard him from the looks of it. Yeah. Really. Oh, yeah. They dumped him, yeah, they dunk him in water for a long this time. This is a horse trough, too, so it's just... He, and then just kick him in right. the sides and stuff. He must have had some sort of breathing apparatus under there, because it was like a minute, right. maybe more, that he was right. being held under. While he was, you could see that they were pulling punches and stuff mm-hmm. in this particular scene, right. um, and I think it was because they didn't want to... Actually drown him. Yeah, right. actually drown him. Um, so that was an interesting thing where I was like, oh, they're not... Like, you can kind of tell that they're being... They're, they're acting this, which is fine. It was fine with me. Um, but once again, I'm not. I'm still not sorry for this dude. And then he, bloody, confused, lost, staggers up into a house mm-hmm. and we see on the inside of the house that it is the house that he was at at the beginning mm-hmm. the singing in the rain and the raping of the wife and he sort of staggers up and falls into this house now the writer is still there the old man is still there he mm. is confined to a wheelchair um, my assumption and I think the assumption that the movie wants me to draw is he's wheelchair bound because of the yes. attack on his, on his he and his wife um, and then there's like this. You said he was David Prowse. David Prowse. Now Darth he, Vader. Darth Vader. The body of Darth Vader, right. not the voice of Darth Vader. He is massive. Right. He is wearing the shortest shorts and a tank top. It is. He's clearly like maybe bodyguard slash nurse right. for this man, but it's so weird. Like when he said, "I need a nurse." He also, who's the biggest guy that you have? But this dude is lifting weights in the living room. Uh-huh. Um, like, you keep, you just hear, and you're supposed to, I know you're supposed to think it's people having sex, but it's mm. him like, <gasps> right. and it turns out that he's doing, he's lifting weights. But, like, he is, he looks like he's wearing a women's gymnastics <laughs> uniform. Like, it is, it's not just short, it uh-huh. is tight, it is like a leotard. That would be for... It's not even right. cut like a man's thing, except it's real low on the top, like like a woman wouldn't be able to wear and cover anything on their on their front, although they don't care about that in this movie anyway. So he, and glasses. <laughs> He's got glasses on this outfit and glasses. And he goes on, opens the door, and carries Alex into the... Like a baby. Like a baby. He literally... <laughs> just picks him up like a baby. Right. And then carries him down the stairs, and then... Um, the the writer, the elderly man who lives here, mm-hmm. doesn't recognize him and says, "Oh, well, you will will take care of you." Um, 
he's because he doesn't have anywhere to go because his his room has been co-opted. So mm -hmm. he's just like, fine, I'll just leave. And so he's he has nothing. He has no job. Right. He has no place to go. His uh, old friends are cops now, and they want to kill him. Like he's got nothing. And so this guy takes him in just for one day, and he's like, you're gonna we're gonna feed you. Um, we'll get you cleaned up. So he goes up and he's taking a bath. And in this bath, he starts singing, singing in the rain. And the writer hears it and instantly knows mm -hmm. that this is the man. Seems to be having almost a seizure as he hears who, it. Yes. Who, yes. I was like, is he going to die now? Nope. Uh, and then Alex, so he knows that this man is the man that turns out killed his wife. He did, she, mm -hmm. she killed herself after the events but he believes that it is tied directly to the assault, and he's probably right. Um, so then we see Alex eating, just eating pasta, like a fucking... A just a huge plate, plate of, pasta. of pasta. And they... Um, the writer and his helper uh, come and sort of converge on him, and they're like, no, 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 eat up. Here's some wine. He drinks some wine, and that wine has been drugged. And he... Um, loses consciousness and wakes up in a room upstairs Beethoven glaring up at him now here's a question and he can't escape it it's not, mm -hmm. he's we see downstairs there are two huge speakers facing the the roof and it's very much the like a right. or the ceiling cuz uh -huh. he's in the he's second in like floor. the second floor maybe the third floor Excuse me, it's almost like a flowers in the attic situation. Like, uh -huh. it feels like he's in an attic room. He's very high up. And the, the speakers are just blasting Beethoven right. up. And he is physically getting sick. Was the information about him being... Like, everybody knows who he is because people are... Like, right. he's in the newspapers There was for a being, protest. There's a lot of public protest about the idea that the minister, who he made friends with or who he boonswoggled or whatever, in prison... Yeah. ...was complaining while he was being tested because there was a scene where they were testing him out and they oh, had yeah. this man yell epithets at him and kick him around and beat him up yeah. and then they come almost entirely naked woman come on to him and he's completely unable to function sexually for any reason yeah. whatsoever and like crumples into a ball right. like he can't and that's when the the minister's like wait a second he has no free will you choose to do right or wrong. You're not forced to do it, and right. that's that's the crux of what Burgess saw with the story. Right, right. It's like if you're taking, if your will is taken away from you, then you're not reformed. Well, you're just you're in, incapacitated, it's, it's, right? It feels very much like chemical castration. Right, right. There's a good parallel right there. Right. But the writer, when Alex is taken into, when he first tries to appeal to the writer uh, and say, "Well, the police beat me up," he goes. The writer recognizes him. You're that young man. Oh, the he, young man who got but released. When they sexually assaulted his wife and beat him up, they were all wearing these masks. That's right. They put masks these on. These long nose masks. They yes. look like the Japanese goblins that you know with the long noses. Yeah. And so he didn't recognize him, but it was only after he heard, heard him the voice. singing. Right. So then he knew who he was and he knew what to do. Right. Because there had been so many descriptions about. Got you. Because he was in all the papers right. and whatnot. So. Uh, this leads Alex to jump out of the window. Right, because he can't get away he from it. He can't get away from it, and he's sick. Um, and he doesn't die. He breaks a lot of bones in his body, but he doesn't die. So then we see him at the hospital, and he is trussed up. 
Mm -hmm. He is in all of these casts, he's in traction. And then time goes by, time goes by, time goes by. We don't know how much time he's healing, he's healing. It may be six weeks, two it months. It probably was a very long know. time for him to even come to consciousness, yes. is what the suggestion yeah. is. And then he is being, he's talking to a nurse or a doctor, right. and a doctor. he's like, I had all these dreams where people were messing about in my head. Right. And then she's like, oh, that's weird. And then she asks him some questions, and he starts talking about these very violent... Um, responses. Res she's showing him, like, pictures. Yeah. How do you it's respond like to It's like a Rorschach this? test, right. but not a Rorschach test. And he's, like, you know, talking about how he wants to rape these people mm -hmm. and how, how just all of these violent things. So he's now been cured of his cure. Mm -hmm. We don't know how. Something in his brain. Right. The logic there is a little sketchy, like... Well, originally it was like a version... It was a version therapy. Right. Was say a version With of a some version, sort of right. drug With that the drug presumably to help is still him. in the system. Right. And so I don't know why the but drugs are about yeah. an actual operations. Right, exactly. The, you're, the mm -hmm. idea is he then had some sort of brain surgery that right. reversed a thing that wasn't done surgically. It's just a little... Mm. But we don't know because right. we only know what he thinks. They may have been doing anti-aversion therapy. Right, this is an extremely unreliable narrator. Right. And he was maybe unconscious while right. they were doing this, which... And then they were just mm -hmm. appealing to his subconscious. I don't know. I'm not a neurologist. And then that minister, same minister mm -hmm. we just talked about, arrives, says that the they've had the writer institutionalized. Mm-hmm. Which feels a little like bullshit to me, but I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna put this dude in prison, you gotta put, I don't know, he was he clearly wasn't in his right mind, so maybe institutional right. is is the way way to go, um, and then basically he's like, I'm gonna set you up, I'm gonna get you a place to live, I'm gonna get you a job, as long as you're like on my side, basically, yeah. and he's like, you know, whatever, he puts his thumb up in the cast and. They bring in these giant, like, speakers and blast Beethoven's knife. That's right. how it ends. Um, and then he's like, I was cured, all right. Like, they're like, see, he was cured. And then he's like, I was cured, all right. And that's the end. Mm -hmm. um, that's the end. Well, yes, it ends with his having another fantasy about... That's right. Uh, rolling around on the floor with a naked woman while all sorts of people in vaguely Edwardian and Victorian dress are watching. That's right. So it leads into I the idea that... I just blocked a bunch of this shit well, out. Because I'm just um, like, Ugh. I think what survives from Burgess's idea that he that I read that he kept trying to promote was what the minister reverend says during his testing after the Ludovico treatment's been administered, Right which is once you take away a person's free will, then they're not reformed anymore. Right. They have an inability to do what they did before, but that doesn't mean that they really understand what they were doing wrong. Right. Uh, is even it even at one possible? Point, he yells during the treatment, I understand that what I did was wrong, but you don't know if that's him just trying to get out of it. Just trying to get out of it. Right. And that feels like when you torture somebody, they're going to tell you whatever, whatever you, you want, want to hear. To hear, which uh -huh. is why torture doesn't fucking Does work. work. And... And anybody who thinks that they're getting reliable information out of mm -hmm. torture is, like, dense right. and just a, a sadist. Like, you, you're not getting reliable information. See also McCarthy. See also, right. uh, you know, Abu Ghraib. Like, you're not going to get real, actionable information mm -hmm. 
75% of the time right. and you're going to sift through all of the information that people are giving you because they're desperate to have you stop just want doing the, whatever the you pain want. To stop. Right. How are you going to sift through? That's just going to lead to more um, innocent people getting tortured mm -hmm. because you, we, we were given your name right. because we kept saying we need the, more names. The idea is, again, like you're saying, if we need, we need more names, and if we don't believe you're giving us the truth, you will tell us anything yeah. to stop the torture because you've reached the end of the information they had to provide anyhow, yeah. and you're insisting and pushing it, and so they're just going to start making things up. Yeah, yeah. Um, because what else are they supposed to do? Right. Like, yeah. You, you've given them no option, and so you're, yeah, you're not going to... How how and how will you sift through? You won't. You'll just scoop everybody up, torture them, and get this spider web of bullshit. Basically, right. like it's just it's <sighs> another thing I'd abolish. Torture. I'm not alone in that one though. <laughs> um, so we watched the Clockwork Orange, guys. That's the end of the movie. How do you feel about it? Was I'd... it thrilling? <sighs> Once again, we need to define that term. I don't think so, and here's why. Okay. But this is a pers this is a personal thing. To me, thrills are an enjoyable um, sort of adrenaline mm -hmm. rush, right? That's what's thr that's a thrill. I would there was nothing enjoyable in this for me. Right. And I also wasn't, I mean, I was extremely disturbed. And when I was younger, I was scared of this mm. violence because I didn't, I saw it way too young and I didn't understand what was happening. So in that way, if, if being scared is a thrill, but now when I watched it, like I said, I wasn't scared. I was just nauseated and upset, mm -hmm. which doesn't translate to thrilling for me. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it's, it's my response to the thing that's a, that may be super personal to me. And I certainly wouldn't put it at 21 or whatever right. number we're at. Like, that's... That seems wild to me. It's, yeah. And especially back-to-back -back with Taxi Driver. Now I know that they're not taking that into account, but fuck, man. Yeah. Like, that's wild. What do you think? How do you, how do you read it? Okay, so this is the second time I've seen the film. Okay. Um, and this time the film, it was a very interesting watch. Okay. If I could look at it intellectually. I, um, I also went so far as to see the first film version of this, which was done by Andy Warhol. It's called what? Vinyl. And it's, oh, Vinyl? Yeah, that's the name of the film. And Isn't that the name of a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal that came out on Netflix like two years ago, three years ago? I don't I'm, know. Maybe not. But, it's fine. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> so it was called Vinyl, and it featured the regular Andy Warhol players. And in that was also one female character, which is Edie Sedgwick, who says absolutely nothing while all this goes on in the foreground. That's it takes so place in one darkened room, and the camera is almost entirely stationary. So it was one of the experimental films. Right. If you didn't know the plot of the book, this film, no way less than an hour, gonna... would make no sense to you at all. And um, as it is, this is tough to follow because, right. like I said, there's no attempt at this is what this means. Right. If you don't pick it up from context, too so, fucking yeah, bad. So, yeah, it's an intellectually challenging movie in that respect. Um, the problem that I have with it being labeled thriller yeah. is that, as you said, this doesn't thrill me at all. 
And on watching it, the second viewing, understanding even what the intent of the writer was and the intent of the director, it still just comes across as nauseating. Yeah. I actually left it kind of physically nauseating. Yeah. And it could be the synesthesia interacting with these really weird patterns. The, yeah, the sets were... Just bizarre. I mean, uh-huh. in a lot of ways, beautiful. Mm-hmm. But also, like... It, but in a way that it was like, I see that this is beautiful, but I cannot appreciate it because of its context. Right. And so I... I and felt, context. Both right. content and context. I felt like watching this film this time, I was able to see things I didn't see before. And particularly involving with how sexual this entire world is. Yeah. And how uh, there was other things that, you know, the, the, the naked Christ's we're all naked with phthalate. Yeah. Uh, oh, joined, yeah. Which was That's just right. bizarre because I didn't... Like, you know, in a can-can line. Right. There are four of them in a row. Yeah. It was just like, whoa, I didn't think of that. And there was that sort of constant... You know, when I first saw it years and years the, ago... The, the fact that he wanted to go Volker in as many ways right. as and, possible. And I understand maybe what his idea was, but it's just, like, piled on top of... Imagery on top of imagery on top of imagery, like you're saying, there are more breasts in this film than a porn movie. I'm guessing. I'm uh, also seeing just a lot of like fucking um, right. Like, you see more pubic hair in this movie than. Well, there's a scene where Alex comes to life again. He awakens yeah. abruptly in the middle of the night, and this happens while a doctor and a nurse are getting it on in a corner. That's and right. And she jumps up from behind the curtain with her giant breasts spilling out. out of her dress. Yeah. And you're like, well, you could. There's a dozen ways to have done that without having to see it. it. Which is strange because when you look at the difference between a film like this and The Shining, which is almost sterile by comparison, yeah. Except for the woman in the bathtub, and there's a perfectly understandable reason why she's naked. Right, she's in a bathtub. Right, but there's it's it's like he pushes the vulgarity. He pushes the. It's it is a perverse film. Even the cat lady, who's not nude, when uh-huh. we see her to, at first, she is bent into a very suggestive right um, yoga pose. She's bent, ass overhead, with her legs sprawled in front of yeah. you. Well, these cats kind of wander around in the foreground. Yeah, and it's which just, right. Uh, is that a reference to pussy? Maybe. There's so much going on in this film. Again, I can appreciate what he was trying to do. I didn't find any of it thrilling, necessarily. And it just feels... The other thing, just as a woman, it just feels like everyone involved with this movie hates women. That's Mm -hmm. what it feels like. Now, that's the intent. Mm -hmm. Because... The main characters of is, this movie. Is, he's telling us the story. Hating. He's narrating it to his brothers. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, brothers. Yeah. The, you know, and it, and it's very weird. Like he's using this kind of um, religious tone, and he's referring to us as his brothers. The other thing with that is because he's narrating, you know, he's not going to die. Right. And he says it at the end. He's like, "I didn't die because I wouldn't be telling you this if I did." Exactly. So, not that you like that. That's a fake out or whatever, mm-hmm. but. Even as I'm watching as he is being terrible, being tortured, and then suffering at the end, I'm like, well, but this still ends up with him... Telling me his story. In a, in a real jaunty way. Like, clearly, right. he's not feeling oh, yes. the same way because he wouldn't be able to... Um, to narrate all of this and for I, you. I, it would, his own life would make him physically ill. I appreciated the use of language in this film. I appreciated the fact, you know, you start picking it up, but when he 
refers to raping this young woman at the very beginning of the movie as, oh, they were looking for a bit of the old in and out. There's no context for it all. No. To him, he later on says something similar about the two girls that yes. he takes home with him. Yes. So consensual it's sex just, and rape are no the same because spectrum. they don't see women as right. people. And so, yeah. With, with agency. Right. At all. And so there's a lot of, uh, I mean, among the other things, I liked the self-referential mm-hmm. nature of the film. When they're in the record store, there's a big yeah. album cover for 2001, for the 2001, soundtrack. like Kubrick's self-referential, right. yeah. Or the fact that uh, there's scenes that both recall, or rather The Shining recalls a scene here. Yeah. Wandering through these long corridors at the hospital yeah. for treatment. Um, or he recalls an earlier scene in 2001 with the ape creature beating the daylights yes. out of one of his fellows, and he frames it almost identically. Yeah. And so there's a... And that's a deliberate callback because he's showing you that Alex the Drew is, they're, they're, is the difference animals. between this yeah. animal. Yeah. And so, yeah, there were parts of it I liked, but overall it was just... Also, it's two hours and 16 minutes long. Yeah, it is like being beaten with his Like, club I might have carried. found it also more tolerable if we cut off 45 minutes of mm-hmm. it. Like, you only have to show me them raping one person. Right. I don't need to continue. I get it. Yeah. I understand who these people are. But it's, yeah, so it's very long. Yes. And none, there's no respite. If they're not, if he's not torturing, he's, he's being, being tortured. Right, exactly. So there's no, like, there's no place where no one, where some, like, there's not a five minute stretch in this movie where someone isn't suffering. Yeah. And that's. That doesn't feel thrilling to me. Like, no. that's not the word I would ever use. It makes me really use. question who put this on the list and what their definition of thrilling is. Yeah. Which is similar with Taxi Driver. Right. I mean... Although Taxi Driver, again... Um, at least there is a ramp up to something that you're surprised right. about and then it comes back down, right? Yeah. This is just... It starts at, like, the like I said, the first scene where they are... Sitting in this weird bar, uh-huh. drinking milk, which I, I don't think then was a white supremacist uh, dog no, whistle. It, it is now. With their with their feet up on, the, um, basically like effigies of naked women on their knees. Uh-huh. You, like immediately, you're like, okay, so, this is this right. is what this is what and it pulls back out and there are 15, 20 of these statues of naked women in this, in mm-hmm. this bar, it's immediately you're like, okay, well we're in it and right. it's just, so it doesn't let up. I have a question then for you. Yeah. So Singing in the Rain has been ruined for yeah. you. And I might be able to watch it now. Uh-huh. I feel like I have, it was almost like, it's almost like, um, Immersion therapy yeah. or something like that. Like I feel, I feel like I can now separate that right. song this, from the images that fucked me up when I was so little. That Kubrick asked uh, Malcolm McDowell to improvise something because they kept shooting the same scene That's over right. and over yeah. again. And then he said, "Can you sing a song while you're doing this?" And, and that's the song, song he, he came up with, which makes actually makes a lot right. of sense given the movements he was doing. Right. Because he is sort of dancing around, and it does imitate that scene right. from that movie, which I have only seen for brief seconds. And it, that because scene is it freaks me out. Part of this film, because but, not only does he sing it twice at the very end, 
It's what gets him his comeuppance. Right. It's and what's, what's playing over the, the credits at the end of oh, the film. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, it's the original version of it. Okay. So that's kind of... I, I've always wondered, how does Gene Kelly feel about this? This is his voice, you know? Yeah, that's rough. Um, Kubrick is so interesting in his use of music, where he just is like... I don't care. I'm going to use the right. original pieces. I'm going to use the, the yeah. like, like we know in 2001, right? He he sort of made a mock up of right. these are Which, the kind of songs I want, and then he was like, nah, fuck it. I'm going to use those that's songs. That's something that's very common practice. Is yeah. that you put together an audio track that you present to the yeah. composer. Yeah, this saying, is the vibe. <laughs> this is the vibe, or this is what I want for this scene. This is what I want with that scene. And then I think 2001 was the first film where he's just like, well, let's just go with this. Yeah. Um, you're not going to come up with something right, better. No you're offense, not going to replace no Strauss. Right. Um, but I think what I was going to ask you is, so Singing the Rain was an issue for you after this mm-hmm. film. What do you feel about Beethoven? Because that was integral to his visions of violence. I'm not sure that I saw enough of the movie mm-hmm. to integrate Beethoven into... Right. Like, I knew he called him Ludwig Van, which I think is funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually think that that is... That right. makes me laugh a little bit. Um, but I have not associated those two things. Mm-hmm. Beethoven I have to listen to in a mood because he's, right. a, he's a mood. Like, he's a whole vibe. And if I'm not feeling it, like, it feels too aggressive. But if, like, like it's good cleaning mu- music. It's good walking music because mm-hmm. it is sort of aggressive. It's like pump. It's like... It's like dark pump-up music <laughs> from a go, right? right? Classical music. It's like some people listen to like death metal to like pump themselves mm-hmm. up, and this is like the classical version of that. So, but I've never linked right. the two. And like I said, I it might just be because I noped the fuck out, mm-hmm. you know, ten minutes, fifteen minutes into the movie, because um, I I had recollections of the clips that are sort of ubiquitous in... Right. Like, that you can just gain through cultural osmosis. But I think, you know, my eight-year-old self fucking bolted at the... Yeah. After the singing in the rain. The, the, the image of the man, of the writer being, like, his mouth is, like, taped with, like, packing tape, it looks mm-hmm. like, and he is on the ground, and you see him, and he's laying on his side, and you just see this fucking look in his eyes as he's watching his really? wife be violated... And I'm just like... Mm. The, the other thing that I also appreciated this time around was how many of these actors I recognized. Yeah. Because this was the cream of the crop of theater and character actors in yeah. England at the time. The man who's in the wheelchair, the, the author, is Patrick McGee. Okay. And he was one of uh, Samuel Beckett's... Uh, like Stable? Stable. You know, he... Uh, I don't love that term. And Billy Whitelaw. <laughs> You know, were these were his muses, mm. and so he would do these wonderful things with them on stage. Mm-hmm. And then Adrienne Corey was his wife, the yeah. one who got attacked, and it's just like which you recognize, right? You it's said like, her oh name. Oh my gosh, that's her! And I didn't know her the first time. Aubrey Morris is Mr. Deltoid, who is a really weird character. He's like his. Um, he's earlier in the film. Yeah. He is the person who is responsible for Alex staying out of prison. He's like his parole officer. Yeah. And and he, yeah, he's like super inappropriate. He's really inappropriate. At one point, he grabs him, gives him like a ball twister. At one yeah, point, he's, it was well, strange. he's laying on a bed next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex is only in like tidy whites. Right. And then yeah, he grabs him. He grabs his genitals, and I'm just like the fuck. And he's like, 
he's doing a weird voice. He that's that's his voice, or at least that's his stage voice. He does a version of that voice in he's every. He's got a weird voice. It's, it's a, very creepy. And so does Patrick McGee, who else? You know, the author. He has a very strange kind of creaky voice, and that's why. Samuel Beckett, who did a lot of long, you know, Beckett, Pinter, Mammoth, yeah. that kind of association, right. who did these large kind of uh, like digressions with dialogues oh, and yes, things like that. Right. Um, he liked having that weird, described what I think as a creaky door. Yeah. Is that what it sounded like? Right. To you? That makes sense. Yeah. But anyhow. Yeah. So. Yes. We're we going to stop talking it. about this movie now. We got through it. Next week, literally something completely different. Mm-hmm. And that something is. High noon. Yes. A a western. Is uh-huh. it black and white? It's in black and a white. A black and white western. Uh, that is almost done in real time. Uh-huh. Uh, it's only an hour and twenty five minutes long. Like we're gonna watch it right now, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, we've I've seen it before. I know you've seen it before. Oh yes, I love this movie. And I remember really enjoying it. So I am looking. I this is the one that I am looking forward to the watch. <laughs> So that is next up. Um, and then before that, do you have anything you want to recommend? You know, I have not seen anything this weekend. I really, um, between being a little bit under the weather physically and having watched this movie, it just put me in a weird place. Yeah, I no, think. fair enough. Yeah. And it was very hard to absorb anything else. I wound up with our roommate watching episodes of Little House in the Prairie as like a palate cleanser. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no She's one's been gonna get... binging the shit out of that show. Right. It's wild. But it's like, no one's going to get raped on here. No nope. one's going to get murdered. No one's yep. going to be like, literally have their head smashed in with a giant phallus. It's not going to happen. I mean, there's like... I really love the beginning of Outlander. I watched mm. the first few seasons, but I know where I'm at now. There's like right. six rapes between me and the end of the season that I'm wa- watching, and I'm like, I can't. Well, I can't. The, the and it's been a, like three years. I cannot do it. Watching, uh, God, I, oh, uh, them, I think. The, the ants? No, the, yes. The, yes, I think that's the name of it. It's called Them, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a show on Amazon. Where it's just like you're watching near the last four episodes, let's say, just trauma on top of trauma on top yeah. of trauma, where every episode someone's being raped, someone's being beaten, someone's being tortured, someone's yeah. being set on fire. And my problem, too, right now is since the beginning of the pandemic, and maybe uh-huh. even a little before that, I think maybe since about 2016, it might have been that long, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to watch horror things or anything mm-hmm. in that genre where humans are the... Uh, antagonists. Right. I, I will watch like supernatural horror, but there's too much in the real world, person on person violence that I don't want that in my entertainment at all. Mm. And so this movie, that was one of the other reasons right. why I was not looking forward to this movie because in the last few years it's very hard for me to watch. Yeah. Anything in that vein, and that's all this movie is. I, I I look back and look at old reviews for some of the Hammer films where mm-hmm. a people at the time are complaining, "Oh, this is sickening," or it's like it's disgusting. And I watch it now, and it's not like the film is tame; it's still very emotionally pitched. But I don't see like what was the issue with this early film. They no. just but they hadn't right. seen what we have now. It's uh, like even now, having sat through the opuscula of Dario Argento and a lot of other filmmakers who were just, like, really intense, this movie still bothered me. And it still got under my skin, and it was still gross. And it was because, again, like you're saying, these aren't demons, these aren't monsters. This is a guy 
and it's he's people. thoughtless and he's stupid and he's young and he just does things and then he whines and, he's a and something like, happens to like him. Right. He's a psychopath. He has no empathy no, not for at all. anyone outside of himself. So, okay, so what, did you see anything? I did. Oh, what did you see? So, I remember last week when I saw Barbie and I said nobody needs to, no, Barbie doesn't need me, it, it's already waged a billion right. dollars or whatever. So, this week I'm going to say, go see Oppenheimer, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Another movie that doesn't really need my help. Um, I went to see it last week. I played hooky on a Thursday before I got all this new work and uh, went to a showing at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I recommend seeing it on the biggest screen you can. Mm -hmm. It was phenomenal. Oh. It was... I really like Christopher Nolan's movies. Mm. Um, I have, I've been watching them since Memento. I've seen all of them except the last one. Mm. Uh, or was it Dunkirk, I think, was the one that I haven't yes. seen. Well, it might not, Tenet might be the last one. I did see that one. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see Dunkirk. But... Um, I've seen all of his other movies since Memento. I saw Memento in the theaters in 2000. Um, or in the theater in 2000. Um, and I think that he is just such a good filmmaker. And this... Like, I cried several times. He still has trouble with women. He doesn't write women real well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's... That's a... That's a qualm that I have with this one. Uh, I'm putting money right now that Robert Downey Jr. is going to win best, the Academy Award okay. for Best Supporting Actor. And they age him up and he looks so much like his dad. It's mm. fucking wild. It makes me want to watch Senior, which we should do. Right. Which is a documentary, I believe, on Netflix. Yes, it was on Netflix about um, his relationship with his dad. Yeah. Who was an experimental filmmaker back in the day. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, the, it's long, too. It's a three-hour-long movie. But it is well worth it. It doesn't feel long. It's like it moves mm -hmm. at the rate that you want. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Killian Murphy got the Academy Award for Best Actor. He's mm -hmm. definitely going to be nominated. People have said that it glorifies this man. I would uh, disagree with that. Mm -hmm. He was a complicated figure. Right. And he's a person. That's He, he wasn't not a person because he came up with this thing. Right. He's also... And they, they kind of make a point of this. He's kind of... He was, like, the great um, salesman of science. Like, he was Steve Jobs to nuclear mm -hmm. physics. He wasn't doing... He, he built a team. He wasn't doing all of the calculations right. himself. He had a thought, and he built a team to bring that thought to fruition. And we have to understand that this is a Jewish man mm -hmm. during the Second World War where his people are being absolutely massacred and he can't do anything about that so he wants to end this war now by the time they got to where they got to did they need to use the right. weapon? Uh, I and most would argue no mm -hmm. but yeah he didn't make that call. The president made that call, as is also made very clear in this film. So, yeah, but it is... The, the performances are awesome. The, Nolan is very clear that he, did, he wanted to make the explosions really make the explosions. Mm -hmm. Like, um, he didn't obviously 
detonate a nuclear weapon. Right. But it's fucking convincing what we see. Like, he did some wonderful effects work. Real, actual, physical effects work. Mm-hmm. Um, which he always try, tends to do. Uh, and it's a, it's a worthwhile watch. Like, and mm-hmm. it's... For the, the heaviness of the subject matter... It was an enjoyable watch. Like, it is a interesting and engaging film to watch. Right. So... Okay. And I will watch it again, I'm sure, um, when it comes out and on a smaller TV. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I would recommend... If you like a movie for grown-ups, like, that's the thing. Sometimes I want to watch something that is, like, family-friendly or mm. silly or, like, light. And sometimes I want to watch, like, a serious movie for grown-ups. See Michael Clayton. See all of the things that Jessica Chastain has been in recently yeah. like these these are grown up movies that's what I think of them as and this is a grown up movie if you're in the mood for a grown up movie and it's playing near you I recommend it good good yeah. I like grown up movies <laughs> you gotta be in the mood well, though yeah I understand yeah so that's my recommendation Oppenheimer it's fantastic uh, I think that's it that's right it. that's it next mm-hmm. week high noon You should watch it with us, because it's, like I said, very short. Mm -hmm. Shorter than this episode, maybe. No, not quite. (laughs) All right. So, in the meantime, you can email us with questions, comments, or concerns. You can always find us on Facebook. The email is latecomerspod at gmail.com. The Facebook page is the Facebook page. Look for the Latecomers Podcast. That's us. So, the dinosaurs. You know where we're at. Uh, I want to remind you to please take your medicine and take care of yourself. And we'd like to remind you, better late late than than never. never.